Welcome to the Freedom Chasers podcast, where we bring you interviews and discussions that share the stories, successes, goals, and dreams of real estate agents and investors pursuing a life of purpose and freedom. Today, we're sitting here with a good friend of mine, Elijah I. Rubin. Um, honestly, this is one of the coolest calls I've ever had. These are my two top sales trainers mm. I've ever worked with, hands down. My two favorite mentors, all on the same call together. I'm excited to see where it goes. Elijah, let's just kick it off. Could you start us off with a story? Could you tell us what your craziest real estate transaction or experience has been? I know you've been doing this for a long time, so I know you got a good one. Sure, go. sure. No, thank you, Tim. Thank you, Matt, for the opportunity to share with the family over here. And after doing, what, 18 years of real estate or 800 plus deals completed, I have lots of stories <laughs> I can pull from, lots of stories for sure. Um, I can tell you about this. Um, I'll tell you about the the, uh, the Container Boy story. It's, it's, container it's, it's Boy. It's a little funny. Um, I, container Boy. Yeah, I, I talked about it on um, Deals Over Drinks podcast before, but um, this is less drinks, so I could probably tell a little bit more cohesive <laughs> here. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> okay. Um, so long story short, um, we had our dis I mean, our acquisition team reach out, tax liens, um, piece of land, call acquisition calls. Got a hold of a guy. Um, he's willing to sell the lot. This is probably about what maybe five six years ago, out here in Phoenix, Arizona. Talked with the uh, talked to the seller. Him and I negotiated a number down to like twenty thousand dollars for the lot. And so he's going to come in here, sign the agreement. I'm like, come in at my office at two. Um, and so he's like, cool, I'll come there too. So I hear somebody come in there. Somebody is in the conference room, like at one o'clock. I'm on a call. I seen he came an hour early. I'm like, hey, I'm still in a call. I said, when I'm done, I could get with you. He's like, all right, cool, cool, cool. No worries. Sits down there. Probably like 30 minutes after he's sitting down there, I saw my call um, working on another deal I'm closing. And the seller gets, uh, I see him gets really frustrated and frazzled and I hear him like, like slamming the table a little bit. And then, and then I hear him like saying something to Jennifer, um, uh, who's uh, my operation lady at the time. And um, he ends up... Um, like says so like something I hear him say something he's why I hear something walking out so I put my my call on hold I walk out there and you see a letter like this is this is BS you make me wait I'm out of here and so I go out there and I'm like all right let me go and stop him and see what the issue is so I go out there and I, and I'm running to stop because I'm thinking about to drive off and um I hear beep beep and you know those little alarm the car alarm so I'm looking around for the car and I look to the side. He has an alarm on his bike. <laughs> so he's all trying to pick up the bike. I'm like, oh, man, what's going on here? So I walk up to him like, hey, what's going on? He's like, oh, this is BS. You make me wait. And that's, uh, that's not what I'm about. I'm like, I got you. I get it. Um, but you came out early. I told you to hold on. Uh, but I, you got my attention now. Like, let's let's get this deal done now. He's like, no, I'm not going to do this deal. You're trying to steal my property from me. I'm like, who's trying to steal your property? You're probably with those other people. I'm like, who's trying to steal your property? He's like, Elijah, I'm not going to sell your property. So he gets on his bike. He starts pedaling off. So I get in front of the bike, you know, because I can stop a bike. I can stop a car, you know. So I'm like, hold on a second. Like, what? Like, what's the real issue? He's like, um, I'm not going to take this low. You're trying to just give me nothing for the property. I'm like, well, um, what do you have on the property? He's like, I have my house there. I'm like, well, there's no structure there. He's like, I have a big container that I live in the container. You know, those big old bins that you throw away trash. He lives in there. And then he, he goes to other friends and places to shower up, but he sleeps in there. And um, I'm like, I'm like, I never heard this before. I'm like, okay, well, we got to get a time to get your, uh, to move your home to another lot, which I can help you for. It's like, no, Elijah, just get out front of my bike. And he pulls a knife out on me. So I do real estate. Yeah, I do real estate. And he's at my office. The guy pulls a knife out. And I'm like, listen. I told him I do real estate so we don't have interactions like this. I want to help you. I'm not trying to hurt you. And so how about you put the knife yeah, away? I'm not a drug dealer, bro. <laughs> so I was like, why don't you put the knife away so we can talk for a second? So he puts the knife away. I'm like, listen, um, what's the real issue? What are you really concerned about? He's like, they're trying to kill me. So now, so now after doing real estate long enough, I speak crazy talk fluently when you're dealing with mm -hmm. sellers, right? <laughs> so the core mm -hmm. is you got to, you know, connect with them, empathize mm -hmm. with them. So you can't look at like him. They're crazy. You got to go into crazy mode mm -hmm. with them, right? So I'm saying, mm -hmm. all right. So who's trying to kill you? He's like, oh, these um, the governor knows that I knows what I know, and he has gang members shooting up my um, shooting up my house, aka his container, and um, and they almost got him one time, and so he needs to get out of here. He has evidence, and he needs to, he, that's why he needs to move. 
So I was like, well, what you first thing you need to do, you need to corroborate your, your story and you need to document that. And so I have a private investigator I can connect you with. He will help document your story and then we can get you with the attorney so you could go after the governor. Well, first, you got to pay him. And before you can pay him, mm-hmm. you got to have some money. Mm-hmm. And so if you come and sign the agreement, I'll do an introduction for you with my private investigator. So he's like, all right, Elijah. He comes back in there. I give him $2,000 more. So I give him $22,000 so you can see that I'm added value. I literally connected with my private investigator. I don't know wherever I went to, but that was literally, I mean, <laughs> we ended up selling that property for like like 40000 So we ended up making like fifteen, sixteen thousand 16000 on the deal. But I almost got shanked at my own office and you got to talk <laughs> crazy talk with these sellers. They bring them on home. That's for sure. One of the many crazy ones I got. That's so crazy. <laughs> Dude, what a brilliant on-the-moment strategy. And I know that probably came from a lot of experience, but you stayed calm, you stayed empathetic, and then you tied the solution to the fact that he needed money. That's a masterpiece right there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, you literally solved his problem. That was brilliant. Can I ask you, a, a, how big was the knife? <laughs> You're talking the knife, chef's knife. Size matters. <laughs> it was like a machete. It wasn't a pocket knife. I mean, oh, it was dang. like, I mean, he had one of those, uh, not not a crocodile Gundy knife, but I mean, it's probably about, probably about 13, 15 inches. It's pretty big. Like, it would have cut through some things. <laughs> sure, you still got the deal closed. I mean, you got a knife pulled on you, but you still got the deal closed, and you still made some, some pretty decent profit. Yeah, so, I mean, it just tells noise. you if you have your mindset right, yeah, you know, you such a closer mindset, right? I mean, most people would be like, I'm happy he put the knife back, get out of here. He's like, no, come back in my office. This deal's not done yet. <laughs> exactly. Come back in the office. Now, now we're all on the same page. It's cool. No harm foul, no farm. And, and at the end of the day, like you said, you have to be willing to get past your initial preconceived notions, understand what their real problem is. And most people, I mean, have horrible financial literacy and having worse coping mechanisms. Mm. And so if you can help them solve the financial area and give them a strategy to solve and cope with whatever they're dealing with, now you shift yourself from just being a regular investor with cash to becoming a trusted advisor. You know, and that's what I really end up doing for him. Perfect. So what leads you to want to be in this kind of craziness all the time? <laughs> I mean, I mean, when I, I mean, when I was in my younger years, um, I worked at probably every call center in Arizona at some point in time. So I saw I had the ability to talk with people, the ability to add value, build rapport, close. But every time you hear the word yes, it should be worth X amount of dollars. And then so by the time I found real estate, I'm like, whoa, this is the best thing you could possibly do. That blends a lot of my good skill sets that is always going to have a demand because rich people always want to get richer and there's always going to be somebody who needs to sell. And so when I started looking at, well, where are these people who need to sell? I saw the crazier the situations, the better the profits Bigger are. Data is. And so that's, <laughs> so that's why you have to go dive into it. I just think that the more that you are willing to do what other people won't do, it gives you less competitions and it gives you a, a step above because most people don't want to deal with these hard, difficult, crazy people but there's equity in this house and somebody's going to help them. Why not be you? Yeah. So talk to me. Cause I mean, most people don't go as far as they could because they get scared or all kinds of reasons. What's keeping you prioritizing the goal over your current feelings, all the things that might stop you from, from having that big mindset. I think um, what I really do, I'm really big on what we think about, we bring about, right. And keeping your number one, your number one thing. So you see behind me, I got vision boards up in all around me. I do my affirmations. I do visualization techniques. So I'm really big on do, setting your morning routine, visualizing the world you want so that when little hurdles come up and when perceived obstacles come up in front of you, you really have the mindset that that's just an opportunity to get you to where you ultimately want to go. And so you have to ask yourself, are you willing to tell yourself no or let the seller tell you no or a possible title issues tell you no to get you a yes? Or are you willing to grow your capacity, grow yourself, keep your mind on the prize? What do you really ultimately want? Because regardless, you work a nine to five, you're, pound, you're working hard labor, you're building houses or you're overcoming obstacles. It's all going to be hard. So pick your heart and what's going to get you there faster. Mm, I'm absolutely tremendous mindset. So, Elijah, how long did it take you to develop that mindset? Did you hit the ground running with that mindset, which is probably <laughs> unlikely, or was that developed over time? Um, like, what kind of challenges did you face that forced you to de- develop that mindset? Sure, sure. No, like, in my first years, like I said, I went from doing um, sales, like, 15, 15, 16 years old, doing sales, working at every call center, 
Then by the time I'm about like 17, 18 years old, I started doing club promotions. And uh, I had like a 15-man street team, you know, passing out flowers, going into 21-plus clubs at 18, 19 years old. So I got exposed to different lifestyles really early in life, you know. And so um, I'm chasing girls, chasing clubs, chasing uh, what I perceive to be value from the exterior because I felt really incomplete inside. Mm. I felt like there's a void inside. I What made me value is if I hooked up with a lot of girls when my friends thought I was cool, if I hook up with girls. So where are the girls at? They're at the clubs. If I give them VIP access, therefore they at least have to give me their number. So that's my logic mm. at the time. And so although, yes, I was hooking up with girls, I was still broke, mm. not only financially, but emotionally and inside, too. And so it wasn't until I felt feeling um, I couldn't fill this void. And then I stumbled into real estate and like, whoa, this allows me to take care of the financial aspect issue. So I started, I mean, the first year, it took me about nine months to close my first year, my first deal, made that first $10,000. And then I knew it was on. Mm. I knew I will never work for somebody else mm. again in my life. But now I'm making money. However, my character was still off, mm. you know. So now I'm making money. I'm making. I mean, by my third year, I'm making my my first six figures in my in my life, and I never made less of that again in my life. However, I'm self sabotaging myself. I'm getting DUIs. I'm having abortions. I'm doing things. My parents named me Elijah, so they spoke power into my life. They thought they're like, "You're not gonna have any tattoos, no ear piercings. We expect big things from you," you know. So I'm like, "All right." So I, they speak power into my life, and I'm literally self-sabotaging my whole world and i didn't understand why what i was doing i felt although i had money i had perceived friends i still felt empty and it wasn't until um i saw i saw this guy et the hip-hop preacher mm -hmm. dr eric thomas you know i, I saw him online and my, my guy has a hat at jordan's you know saying making a hundred thousand dollars to speak for an hour had had a lot of sincere substance without jeopardizing the swag i'm like oh that is valuable i like that and um and then um so i ended up having he ended up coming out here and this is probably like in what 20 like probably 2010 2011 and so a big guru out here happened to be speaking um i was bringing him out here and i know the guy so i'm like um some deal happened where I feel like he kind of took the deal for me and i i called him out on it and like listen just do a personal introduction for me and we just call this water under the bridge. He's like, cool, come up here. Does a personal introduction with ET. I get a chance to meet somebody with high character, high integrity. I saw his business partner was a young guy like myself. And I, I really like the behind the scenes guys. Because I know those are the real people who are moving the needles, right? So I, he's the first person I ever paid five figures to for coaching, consulting, mentorship. And so the very first thing, I think I'm going to get speaking consulting so I can be out there speaker and do some bigger things. Like, like, we're not talking about none of that. First thing we're working on is your character. Ooh, I love it. So I'm paying G's for not about looking one thing to speaking. He's like, we're working on your character integrity. If you're going to be in this circle, that has to change. Wow. And so for the first year, he was really helping me on my character, my integrity. And he showed me the value of having a morning routine, speaking power into my subconscious, auto-suggesting to myself, reading, journaling, meditating, getting one with our thoughts, removing distractions, not being on my phone first thing in the morning, little things that I, I was just running on autopilot. And so unfortunately I didn't just was born with this idea, but once I got it, oh, I just dove all into it. And once I dove head and feet of wriggling on, on my mind first, that void started filling. I started attracting people like Jennifer in my life, other investors in my life. And I stopped self-sabotaging myself as much, you know, and uh, and that's how I really <laughs> developed this type of mindset. Dang, so many questions come to mind. So many ways to take this. So character is interesting when you talk about how people define it. So can you kind of dive deeper into, so you're, you're saying your solution to character was removing distractions, removing that, spending time in the morning, getting clarity. But can you kind of give us a, even a bigger definition of how you define character and how that was fulfilled in that practice? Character kind of really aligns with your integrity, mm -hmm. right? And integrity is the ability to do the right thing when no one's watching, mm -hmm. right? It's cool when somebody has a sign or you're in front of everybody. Yeah, I always do the right thing, but do you do that? Are you are you living in gray areas where you kind of doing stuff shady? Do you have a girl, but you kind of talking to other girls and nobody's going to quite know? I mean, the easy way of doing and doing things. If everybody knew, would you be okay? Mm -hmm. If your partner did the same thing, would you be okay with that? Little things that no one's going to know but you, and you still choose to do the right thing. And I think that is the part of mm -hmm. being honest with having a having the ability 
to keep your one's word with yourself. You know, I kept giving myself excuses why I wake up late, why it's okay to not pay that person the whole amount, cut percentage on here, little things that most a lot of us do. But when you when you just get a hard line, like I choose not to be that way anymore. Mm. I don't care if I lose an extra thousand. I don't care if I lose a friend. I am not going to cross this line for anyone. And once you get the habit of saying, no, this is my line. I don't care if myself or anybody else has asked me to cross the line. I just choose every phrase, refrain from doing it. And you start establishing non-negotiables with yourself. So I have non-negotiables where mm-hmm. under no circumstances will I go a day without doing my morning routine. It's called, we call it the self-enrichment process without enriching myself. Um, I, I refuse to um, not take, make offers or add value to somebody's life every single day. Mm. These are the things I'm being very conscious of. And once you get that, develop that character muscle where you're used to pointing yourself, you're used to keeping your word, everybody around you understand that you are just a person of your word. And I saw from what ET does by having high character, being able to be reliable in your word, being able to be trustworthy, to be able to be honorable, although it's hard and then really don't, you don't get no props for it in, in this society. It, it elevates your value to people in your circle. So diving into that, you know, a lot of people look at, that maybe aren't running ethically, they're running gray or black or whatever. You, they, they, it feels like you're limiting your ability. You're limiting your options by cutting out that gray and black area. What was the direct impact on you and your business by eliminating that? Because at first you're like, well, it's okay. You, you made an extra 3000 here. Uh, tell the whole, so, oh, yeah, the, the department didn't sell. Then you close the deal. Like, yeah, you're doing stuff a little not the right way. Hey, what's done in the dark will eventually come to light. Mm. You know, truth stays the same, lies always change. And so you're trying to remind all that. So you're, you're taking up capacity in your mind, trying to remember your partial truths. You're taking time. And most of most what you don't really calculate until later, I call it your good karma credits. You can stack up good karma credits or you can stack up bad karma credits. At some of the DUIs I got hit with, some of the tax stuff I got hit with, I just accepted I had a lot of bad karma credits I had to offset. And so when your business is not going well, when your time, when you, when your friends are are moving out of your life, you have to kind of look at some of your past decisions you made. Once you get to the position where you're saying, "Hey, I want good karma credit. I want blessings and abundance coming to me from both expected and unexpected sources." The only way I'm going to do that is by making better deposits daily. So as you start making better deposits in yourself and the other people around you, you start making better decisions. You increase your decision IQ with high character. That's when you're going to start seeing. Opportunities start coming to you. Deals start flowing to you. People start following up with you. Investors and sellers you talked to two, three years ago, ring, 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 starts happening to you all because you started to abide by the good karma credits, by the good character, by cutting out those gray areas. So that perceived notion that I might be able to get two or three more deals, don't have to worry about that because you're going to have abundance come to you because you're opening up the gates of opportunity coming to you and you're preventing all that subconscious blockage you're at least acknowledging it and removing that blockage out of your life. What a tremendous answer, Elijah. Um, I obviously know you a little bit. So like going into Matt's question a little bit, I think um, you love to label yourself as a trusted advisor and you follow something called the three E's. Mm -hmm. Um, Can we get into that a little bit? Because I think that answers Matt's question as well, because I think you're actually extremely skilled at at getting some people clothes that might've been a black deal for somebody Mm -hmm. else and you get it done and for a win-win and everybody's happy. Can we get into that a little bit? Absolutely, and three E's. um, I think we teach a lot of this with with the Not Fire Damage program. We used to really run a lot and it works for any other type of deal too. All right. And so the three E's, you know, most people want to talk about deals. What's the numbers? How fast you want to get it, get in and out of this deal? How much cash you want? Would you take any less? Although that's valuable. We all got to do that. It's about how to structure yourself and separate yourself from just being a regular investor with cash or another wholesaler versus being a trusted advisor. So the three E's are first, you want to empathize with them. You want to educate them and you want to empower them. So when you empathize with them, People don't care what you know until they know how much you care. So being able to connect with people, especially in this day and age we're living now, everybody, I'll, I'll do a voice message to you. I'll, I'll like your comments, but I won't pick up the phone and talk to you. I won't give you dignity and have human connection. I understand your world. I don't have to agree with your world, but I can understand how you got to where you're at. People want to be felt, they want to be heard. and want to feel like somebody cares. So by you empathizing with them, you're already separating yourself from most investors, right? 
then you want to educate them. All right. So you want to educate them with more knowledge. What's happening in the market? What's happening in the comps? What are some other options for them? You want to educate them. All right. So while you're educating them, now you are shifting from just being what's in it for you, but you're, you're imparking them with new knowledge and information that so hopefully they can be more informed. And by you making them more informed, now they feel like you're cooperating and helping them make better decisions. And that's super, and that's, and that's super valuable. And then, so, and then last part, um, last part, what you want to do, you really want to give yourself a position where you're empathizing, you're empowering them with more options because the more options they have, the better they're going to feel. And so by you saying, Hey, you know, even if you're not going to buy the property, empower them. I'm always looking for what can I do to add value first? Can I give you a good book to read, a good podcast to listen to, a good article for you, uh, a place to take your wife to dinner tonight, a good time. What time is the sunset at tonight in your market? I'm looking to add value <laughs> and empower them. So now they feel the value of just me being on the phone with you, me being in your atmosphere. I'm always going to have those three E's. And once you do that, regardless if you buy the house or not, if you go in intention, I'm not here to make an offer. I'm here to make a relationship. And if that's the way I'm going to make a relationship by delivering these three E's, you're to watch the compound effect of people following up with you. Deals falling out. And you're the one who told me that I should have lifted at that price. You told me it's really going to be here. And that article you gave me really helped, you know, and now you're putting yourself in a position to be that trusted advisor, not just another money hungry investor with cash. Amazing, man. What a framework. And I'm going to add an E for you. You don't have to accept it or not, but for you, not for everybody, sure. but for you, mm -hmm. I think you also give the gift of entertaining. <laughs> I'll he take the to change, be engaging. <laughs> yep. I like it. I like it. I, I add that one. I'm going to add it. The four the E's, E's now. Remake. The four E's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, one of the things that he told me, he's like, one of the best things you could do is give him a nickname yeah. on the phone. Yeah. Oh, call. is that what he said? Just like, oh. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. 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 If you're on the phone oh, with yeah. the seller, you talk to him. And, uh, I mean, if you could get them to say, hey, hey, um, hey, Uncle Matt, this is nephew Elijah. How's it going? <laughs> And then you, and you talk with them, and if they don't, don't, don't call me that. Okay, okay, let me back up. But if you get to that level, and they start laughing, and now every time I'm following up, uncle, this is nephew. Yeah. Now, or, or hey, Maddie, hey, how you doing, Maddie? If you don't correct me, now only a friend is going to allow you to call him a nickname. Mm -hmm. And if you could do that, this is another way, you know, entertain and engage with them. I had a teacher in high school that was like that, that literally nicknamed every one of his students. And it was insane. Like by any definition of high school teacher, most would be get disciplined for the types of things he would tell kids. But he was so, <laughs> you could tell he cared. And his nicknames mm -hmm. were hilarious. He would make, he'd roast kids like you couldn't believe. And everybody, <laughs> it was the best class I've ever had as far as entertainment goes. So just, yeah, kudos, man, for, for bringing that into your sales world. Um, so moving forward, Elijah Rubin is the fire damage king. Yeah. I mean, if you're looking to move a fire damage property, um, Elijah knows more about fire damage than probably just about anybody in the country. <laughs> so could we just talk about how you got into that niche, why you started focusing on it? Sure. And obviously you could get into the three checks and all that fun stuff too. Sure, sure. So yeah, the fire damage, like I mentioned, I started in 04, the 04 to 07. It's kind of like what we're seeing right now, you know, we're probably like at least last year or so ago. Um, everybody was winning. Everybody's knock shop. Everybody's making six figures. Nobody's missing layups. Everybody's hitting jump shots. Everybody's winning, right? Then 08 happened, and the game got smacked. A lot of people in the world, you know, took big losses. The adjustment happened. The Great Recession happened. And um, I was not immune to that myself. And so I thought it was going to go up and up forever and ever. I was drinking a Kool-Aid like everybody else. And um, so 08, 09 happened by the time 2010 happened i mean i'm i'm running out of gas running out of money the buyers are drying up everybody's trying to uh, make lower offers or it's a race to the bottom no one knows where the real bottom is where to make the best offers so a lot of people struggling challenges i just knew i had to do something different started focused on going after probate deals um my dad um after i go to probat um um after i just missed the probate deals i end up going to um realized that I was going after um, those probate deals were sitting uh, because they don't really have to do anything with them. They own a free and clear and they inherit it. They, could, they don't have to sell it. So some of those would sit for a while where I ended up getting city violations on them. And the ones the city violations, I started going after city violations with probates. And um, when I realized the ones that had city violations that were probate that sat the longest were catching on fire. A lot of these were catching on fire because people break in 
you know, they'll live there, they'll cook up whatever they're cooking up in there, and a lot of these houses mm -hmm. were catching on fire. So I was able to um, start going after these, and I asked some I asked some of the OGs in my market in Arizona, in the land of the gurus, like, hey, what are you guys doing with some of these deals? And they're like, oh, Elijah, it's a waste of time. You don't you don't know how to price those out. Who who even buys those? Yeah, just, just a waste of time. Don't go after those. So my yarmulke tilted. So I'm like, what? Mm. Oh, my goodness. Like, yes, you guys, if you're not going after these, I'm running towards Love these. Love so, the yep. Yeah, Yeah, so once I saw that, I'm like, whoa. Um, so I started going after these. I was, not, I was doing deals. And for about two years, I was really one of the only people in my market going after these. Then I, I met with a public adjuster, and he kind of explained to me the insurance aspect of it. And he's like, Elijah, you know there's insurance money on these. Like, what do you mean? And so he kind of explained to me how um, how the insurance, how a supplemental claim works. And it took me probably another two years of understanding it, meeting with people, figuring things out. And about two years later, I figured out that you can make up to three checks on one deal, mm. you know. And so now That's fire. I'm making more money. P pun intended. Yeah, no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so now I'm making money on deals that people aren't even going after. So I make more money on deals with less competition. Mm. And so um, I figured out that um, you could make your regular hole. So the, these are how the three checks work. All right, just like a uh, work it out for you guys. First check is your wholesale check. You buy low, sell low, just like most of the people know how to do here watching this. Second check is called your supplemental claim. And all right, and so a supplemental claim works that if, um, so the homeowner 80% of the time is only getting 80% of the money, but they don't know that. They just assume they pay 100% of their premiums, they gain 100% of the money, and that's just not the case. And so what ends up happening, they usually just take whatever they give them. That's what my public adjuster gave me the game. I'm saying like, no, that's not, that's not happening. So what I'm able to do now, now I'm able to educate the homeowner and let them know, hey, there's money to be had. And so what we do, we go in there, we, I bring my policy expert, which is my public adjuster, He'll do a forensic audit of their exactment, which is this big 50-page report saying all the repairs that need to be done. And this is how we say the exact repairs and this is the exact number we're giving to justify our payout. So we know that that's traditionally a lot lower, at least 20% on average. And then so the public adjuster is going to negotiate and say, hey, you're not paying out our client the right amount. If you do not pay our client the full amount, we'll litigate this and, and we'll keep this claim open for another year. Well, to insurance company, as you saw during the last downturn, AIG, they're too big to fail. It's not the dollar amount that matters to them. What matters to them is how long these claims stay open. So the longer the claim stays open, the quicker they are to pay this off. And only one in five family members even disputes a claim. So they'd rather pay this off, close that claim because if too many claims are open and they stay open too long, that's when the insurance um, rating gets downgraded and if the insurance rating gets downgraded, that's how they go out of business. So be understanding this, we're able to go ahead and negotiate their claims and get the homeowner more insurance money that's owed. So what happens is the homeowner keeps 100% of whatever the insurance company owes them. Whatever they gives them, they keep 100% whatever they can negotiate. Then we're gonna come back in and do that supplemental claim and a homeowner keeps additional 50% of any new money we happen to find them. And then me and my public adjuster split the remaining 50%. All right. If we don't find an extra penny, the homeowner doesn't pay a dime for our time. So it's really a no cost, no loss proposition to homeowner. Make sure somebody's dotting the I's, crossing T's. And so that they're getting the most out of that claim that they didn't even know is missing. Okay. So first check, wholesale check. Second check is getting additional insurance money that the homeowner doesn't know about. Then the third check is called um, the replacement check. Replacement check works like this. The homeowner, regardless if it's, a, if it's a primary residence or it's an investment property, at some point, they're probably going to want to rebuild that property or take the cash and buy another property. So if they want to find another property or they want to move into another house, you are already the trusted advisor. You know how much cash they're getting. You know how, when they're going to be getting cash because you're closing escrow. And they'd rather go to you, the one-stop shop. Why should they talk to another realtor, wholesale investor, when they could talk to you, the trusted advisor, to help them find the next property? So by the time you close escrow, you already have that next property for them to park their money into. So now you're adding value, and now you're helping them in three different ways. And now you just got paid in three different ways. Dang. Go ahead. Yeah, man. You well, dude, I, my brain is just spinning. So 
but let's dive into the first couple of things that come to mind. So number one, most of the time people think you play with fire, you get burned, right? And so I'm like hesitantly waiting, like, okay, let me, let me hear a strategy. Let's see how much risk. There's almost no risk. My goodness, you're wholesaling the property. So you're not doing the repairs. You're not dealing with the city, the counties, whatever codes, whatever. You're just making mm -hmm. a quick buck on the wholesale by connecting. Like this is a model that somebody with no money or very little money can get into and make some big dollars if they have negotiation skills and and some vision, some ability to build some relationship. Hands down, you're still wholesaling. Yep. You're doing everything you're wholesaling. You just adding a new niche that no one knows how to really do. And we teach you how to fish in a pond where barely anybody's fishing in. You know, so you can still sign the contract like you do wholesaling. You you bring other relationships and let them do the work, and you split some of that. But what you have to do, you can't be just another generic wholesaler. You have to be a trusted advisor. No one's going to give you their house, their insurance, their livelihood. I mean, this is one of the two top most traumatic experiences a homeowner could go through. And they have to really trust and believe that you can help see them through. And they, all they have to do is hit the easy button and you're going to make it happen. So that's a key piece to understand that's outside of your, your traditional wholesaling side doesn't take a lot of money but it takes a lot of empathy a lot of educating a lot of empowering and entertaining engagement the mm -hmm. yeah even engagement <laughs> isn't he the so the e's mm -hmm. are flowing the, the e's are flowing i guess it's yeah. the five e's now we, we just bumped <laughs> you up a little bit <laughs> we, we found two extra checks there today just like just like you <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah i mean this is tremendous so as far as leads i mean do you just drive around and see mm -hmm. burnt down houses or so that's a little bit of the um, hard part of this is that there's not just a list you could go mm -hmm. buy, which is what I like, you know, at the moment. So you have to kind of really want this. You have to, you know, speak it, uh, basically let people know what's in it for them to refer these opportunities to you. You could absolutely do drive for dollars. You could, um, you know, there's Twitter feeds, there's fire department um, um, alerts you could get. There's certain services out there that gives you notification when fires are happening. Um, but, one of the best things to do is just let people know that if they come across a fire damage opportunity, a vacant lot in, in between a bunch of houses, that's probably a fire damage house at one time that they just scraped a lot. Most people mm -hmm. just avoid these like the plague and one man's trash is another man's treasure. Dude, what a brilliant strategy. Just freaking become friends with firemen. Firemen, yep. And, mm -hmm. and not even just firemen, public adjusters, mm -hmm. fencing companies, uh, restoration companies, board up companies. These are all people talking to the same client. And we just know there's no competition in this business. I don't see competition on competition. I see them as comrades yeah. eager to serve the same community. Well, and it's so cool too. Like, and that's what I love about business, what I love about real estate, what I love about your mentality. Once you get your character aligned, I mean, you're helping a homeowner get what they deserve. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. you know, the insurance companies have been raking in the money for a very, very long time, taking advantage. Like the fact that they can literally not even blink, but just cut you a check is because they're taking advantage typically of four other people who aren't willing or able to fight, you know? Mm -hmm. And so by bringing this, you're really, really helping people, not just taking advantage of the fact that their house is burned down and you're giving them some low ball scenario. Mm-hmm. Right. You're really seeing them through and because you're really going to help them. I mean, you get paid in the direct proportion of value provided to mm -hmm. the market. You're helping these people multiple ways that they, when we talked about, most people have horrible coping mechanism and even worse financial literacy. And you're literally stepping in, helping them on both of these in one of the most traumatic, hardest periods of their life. And, and if you can, and the best part about it, if you could do a fire damage deal, you could do any type mm -hmm. of deal. I mean, I mean, there's three things mm -hmm. I've learned in 18 years in business you can never have enough mm -hmm. of. You can never have enough knowledge. You can never have enough relationships and you can never have enough critical thinking abilities. Ooh. And the more those three you have, the more money you make. So cool. I want to, I want to throw kind of a pivot out sure. here. If you guys are game, um, you two are like the best two salespeople I know. Are you oh, guys down for a role play? Yeah. I would love to do an ABC <laughs> here. Sure. Um, so we're going to put Elijah Rubin. Let's do it. You're my acquisition guy. Matt Cavanaugh, beloved homeowner. <laughs> nice. And, you know, I'll give you guys some feedback at the end. Nice. You, you guys down? You described the ABC technique. I like yeah. it. ABC. I stole, I stole so that from somebody. i give you the choice, Elijah. Because yeah. underneath this, and if the audience, audience doesn't know this, they'll figure it out soon enough. When I get into role play mode, because I train sales guys, I could turn into kind of a, a jerk. So <laughs> what Elijah's I want, ready. Elijah, on a scale of 1 to 10, 
what level of of difficulty or jerkness are you are you wanting me to <laughs> to portray? Um, I, I think for the um, for the benefit of getting a call, so we I, I do. I'm really big believe in how you role play determines how you role play. Yeah, Ooh. So I'm really big believe in this. Yeah, yeah. The, the bar for yeah, the this family. guy's got so many, dude. <laughs> um, and so. I just tell, tell them, allow people, you want to give them objection, but you want them to be able to get through it. You yep. know? No, no answer. Click. You know, if you just hang up on me, then. Uh, but yeah, so let me get through. But yeah, give me some resistance. I mean, after doing hundreds of thousands of calls, you know, I, I know how to navigate through most of them, but just so uh, I'm able to get on the call so I can at least advance it. But totally. yeah, you get to me at 8.5. 8.5. All right. A little pressure cooker. Okay. So Tim, set the setting for us. I'm a homeowner. Is, my, is it a fire damage property? Mm-hmm. It's just a regular house because it's easier um, for people. Just a regular house. Okay. Regular house. And this is an investor call. Okay. It's an investor call. So he's going to be looking okay. for a discount. Okay. Obviously. Um, what's the, and let's, what's the ARV? let's make you a winnable, winnable client. client, right? So let's make your situation somewhat winnable, but you're super apprehensive. And, and I could be a psycho with a knife and a dumpster, that, right? Sure. <laughs> I specialize. Yeah, in crazy he's he's got that, man. Like he's he's totally he's prepared yeah. for that. If you got a machete, he's he's got the <laughs> words better. to put it away. Cool. <laughs> um, we want to do. Uh, let's set the ARV so we're at least so we know what the ARV for. So I, I think that's helpful. I'm gonna say three hundred thousand okay. ARV. Okay. Yeah. All right. You yeah. ready? Ring, 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 ring. Hello. Hey, how's it going, Matt? It's going okay. What, what can I do for you? Matt, this is Elijah here. I want to touch base with you real quickly. You talked with one of my associates, Kim, about three days ago with regards to possibly selling your property on Monteberry Street. Mm. You're still looking to sell the house? Well, I've kind of got all these people calling me now, so um, I've got I've got lots of options. Sure. You're kind of a big deal, Matt. I don't know if you noticed that, right? <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> what did I catch you doing over there? Um, uh, You want me to be honest? Just sure. sitting on the pot, bro. Sitting on the pot. Well, hey. Well, you know what? Keep keep at least keep one hand clean over there for me, <laughs> okay? Right, you got it, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, man, I do want to be upfront with you. I am a real estate investor. I've been buying properties for the last 18 years. Um, probably bought over 800 properties. I don't say that to impress you, Matt. But more importantly, to press upon you, that I promise not to waste any of your time. But I don't pay retail for houses. Mm. However, I'm realistic. I don't expect you just to give away your house either, right? So if we could get a, a price that works for you, works for me, we move forward. If not, we simply part as friends, okay? All right. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm always willing to entertain an offer. Sure, sure. And listen, there's about to be plenty of houses for us to buy. So listen, there's no pressure on either side, cool. okay? Let's not make it a, a hard sales type of um car sales situation here, okay? Sure. So Matt, so tell me, um, so the house is you're living in, is it vacant or is it occupied at the I'm moment? I'm in it right now. I see it. Just you and the wife and the cat or who's there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. A couple cats. A couple cats. Oh, you're not a cat lady. You're a cat man. Uh, huh? Yeah, I suppose. I, I did my best to shield <laughs> them off, but the, the, the lady one. I hear you. I hear you. Okay. Well, so um, if we were to work something out that made sense for you, where it made sense for me, how much time would you need to transition into the next chapter of your life then? Uh, probably 60, 90 days after close. 60, 90 days. Okay. And um, as far as the property goes, um, do you have any mortgage on the property or you own a free and clear? Yeah, I've got a $75,000 mortgage. Oh, so small, small, small. Okay, cool. Um, good. You haven't treated your house like a credit card, like the way a lot of your neighbors are over there, well, right? So my credit score ain't high enough to treat like a credit card. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, I don't see. Don't even loan I to see. me. Okay. Well, I can maybe help you out with that too. So tell me. As far as the property goes, is there any major repairs, any updating that we need to do to the property? Yeah, I mean, I don't know exactly, you know, what what kind of end condition you're looking for, but you know, it's dated. Um, got a few okay. small issues, but but most just dated. Okay, but no major repairs like the roof's not leaking, AC's working, furnace, all that stuff is mm -hmm. good. Okay, and let's say I gave you a forty thousand dollar Home Depot card. You know, what type of repair or probably what type of updatings would you do first? Would you do the kitchens, the flooring? What would you spend the 40000 doing? Yeah, yeah. Bathrooms, kitchen, flooring. Nice, okay. You think 40000 get that all done or you need a little more? Yeah, probably about right. Perfect, perfect, okay. 
And um, and so I mean, let me ask you this. I mean, off the record mm-hmm. here, why are you thinking selling the property? You just hate your neighbors over there? <laughs> uh, no, no, just just getting away, getting to a new location. So I guess more the town, the state than than the neighbors particularly. I see. And so where would you go to if you work something out? Mm, um, I'd probably go to Florida. Florida? What's out there in Florida? I think just, you know, more my type of governing. Nice, nice. Okay, so you don't have to worry about some of the restrictions and everything that's mm-hmm. happening to you? I hear you. I hear you. Well, I might need to come out there with you, okay? All right. <laughs> well, so let me ask you, uh, Matt, um, as far as the property goes, um, if we sent the appraiser out there, you know, before we put in the 40 plus thousand dollars worth of upgrades, sent the appraiser out there today, what do you think the property would appraise for? Um, I think it would appraise for like 280, 290. 280, 290. I see. You see, there's a house right here on um, McAuliffe Street here. You see. Something that's not been updated like yours. Um, it's hold for two fifty here. Here's another one here also two seventy. Up, oh, but there's a nice one here for three hundred thousand. So the price is a little everywhere. You see that? Have you noticed that? Yeah, but the one over across the street, man, the sun doesn't shine very well on that house. It's not worth <laughs> as much. You know, it doesn't shine as nice as it shines on yours. <laughs> the sun's shining on yours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I get it. I get it. So, um, what's the plan if if you don't sell it? Is your plan just to live here and just you know just deal with those damn restrictions and the state is that just a plan or are you going to move regardless i'd like to move i don't know that there's i don't know that i'd move in every case but if we can get close to what we want or what we want then we'll probably make the move cool okay well you met you have a good point when you say if you get close to what you want if you were able to pay cash you know take the property and as this condition make it super simple no realtor fees no closing costs we work in you know, give you that 60 to 90 days, work something out with you. Um, what's the price you want to make this even worthwhile selling it to? Yeah, well, I know you guys are going to need a little bit of a discount. So, you know, my thought is it's probably worth 280 290 so I could probably sell it to you for like 275 275 Ouch. Okay, well, like I said, you have a pen and paper there? I do. Cool. Well, well are you done with the bathroom or are you, are you still in the, still <laughs> I got in the a pile over there? <laughs> <laughs> all right, hey, as long as you have something to write it, all right? Hopefully you're writing with actual pen, ink, not other things, all right? Gotcha. So, all right, so at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what you sell for. All that matters is how much you walk away with, right? Mm, yep, I would say that's true. Okay, so uh, so we both we both agree the property is probably worth about 280 once it's all updated and everything, right? No, I think updated, if we were to update it, it'd be worth like 300, 320. Okay, all right, I think 300,000 maybe. Uh, let's go. Let's go with your number. Let's go. Let's use three hundred thousand. We're in the down market, downswing, but let's be conservative and say three hundred thousand. Okay. And then, so what happens is, if you sell it, I sell it. All that, like I said, there's going to be cost to selling it for retail, right? So, if you sell it, I sell it. We're going to pay three percent to realtor commissions on one side, three percent to the other buyer side. So it's about six percent we lose out of that three hundred thousand just to sell for retail. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Okay. Then you have roughly about 1.5 to 2% in closing costs that we got to pay in closing costs. And then what happens is you have the cost of selling retail. Now, what most people don't really anticipate is the expense of selling retail because you don't realize it until you're in the middle of the transaction. And by the time you realize it, you don't want to start all over in some square one. So you usually just eat it. So I want to make sure you see the numbers so that you know exactly what you'll walk away with. Mm-hmm. Okay. So on average, you and I both know the house at least is going to be worth 300000 once it's updated. But if the neighbor sells this for two seventy, guess what that does to your property? Mm-hmm. It drops your property. So on average, you lose about 2% for your appraisal correction. All right, probably for appraisal, probably your appraisal adjustments. So, so you want to average about 2% for your appraisal adjustments. Then if you deal with a, um, a homeowner, a retail buyer, then they're going to get a home inspection. And that home inspection, guess what? They are going, their whole job is just to come in there and pick that property apart. They're going to want to, uh, you know, look at the, the window crack seal, um, look at this chip tile here. And so average, you lose about 2% so for your home uh, home inspection corrections that you have to do. Either you do them yourself, come out of pocket, or you give them a credit. 
either which way it has to be get corrected and comes out of that top dollar amount so that you can sell the property for retail. Then you're dealing with a homeowner who, you know, is a retail buyer. They got to think about it, pray about it, light a candle just to come back and renegotiate with you. On average, you lose another 1%. Okay. So when you aggregate those three factors, you're losing about 5% of your purchase price just to sell the property retail. Does that make mm -hmm. sense? Okay. And then you still got to put property. Then you still got to put money into the property. You still got to put, you know, even if you do an updating, even if you have to do a little updating, you still have to put $40,000 into the property so that you could uh, sell it for max retail. So once, when you have all the countertops, all the, all the appliances, everything. So it looks beautiful in there. Um, so when you add, when you add up all the numbers, right, you add up your, your commissions, you add up your real, your retail expenses, you add up your holding costs, your closing costs. What do you walk away with? Cause that's all that matters. Right. Tell me. Okay. So if you sell for 300,000, 6% commission, you're losing $18,000 there. Uh, your closing costs, you're losing $6,000. Once you uh, account for all the retail expenses, another $15,000. You put $40,000 into your renovations or your updating. So it's going to, out of your $300,000, $83,000 is going to go out of that, that total amount for you to get $300,000. That means you would walk away with $216,000, regardless if you do it or if I do it. It's about $216,000 left on the table. And you said you had a, a loan for 75,000 mm -hmm. left. Yeah. Okay. So how much out of that? Cause obviously I can't do this for free, right? It's not philanthropy work. All right. I got to make a return on my money at the same time. I don't want you to give it away. Um, and so how much out of that $218,000 would you need to make this a win-win for you? Oh, dude, I would totally need more than two, two sixteen or two eighteen. Two sixteen, two eighteen. So you're saying if I was able to, if somebody were to offer you between two oh five to two ten, what would you say to them? I'd I'd tell them they'd have to come up. Come up. Tell me more about that. What would they need to come up to? <sighs> Well, I think, I think I'd like to have you make an offer first. Sure. Sure. You call the shots here, right? I mean, I could offer you a million dollars or I can offer you $1 at the end of the day. If it's not a number you like, you can simply say no. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm just trying to be a straight shooter. You sound like a straight shooter, Matt. I'm not here to waste your time or mine. And so I just want you to see the numbers. But at the end of the day, I'm not living in your house. It's just financial numbers to me. Mm -hmm. And I want to make sure you see the numbers yourself so you don't waste time. Because the last thing I want you to do, you know, to, you know what to say. Sometimes it's better to take the bird in hand mm. versus two birds in the bush you never catch. And where the market's going, last thing I want you to do is being stuck here. You, I mean, you got Florida calling your name, right? Florida's calling your name. Mm -hmm. All right. So tell me, where would you need to be to make this work for you so that we don't have to go back and forth? Uh, yeah. You know, I, uh, I just respond to offers. So I just, I just need to know what you're offering. You sent okay, me a mailer so saying you were going to make me an offer. You, right. So you just said you want to accept 205 to 210, no. right? So what would you accept? I, I need an offer. <laughs> Is that 205 to 210 not a good offer? Okay, so that's your offer? Well, not my offer, but you said you accept a offer. Yeah, well, I'm actually getting multiple calls. So we're... Really? What's the highest offer you got? So higher than that. <laughs> I hear. Why did you take that already? Because because it just we're looking for as much as we could possibly get. You know, we've been getting a bunch of calls and mm -hmm. mailers, and so we're just we're just making sure we want to be ethical. So we want to make sure that we give everybody an opportunity to bid. And so, uh, okay. yeah, we just want to know. Right, we want to know what your you. highest offer is. You want my highest offer, or you want my best offer? Uh, either one. Okay. Well, like I said, at the end of the day. You get to call the shots here. And if we could get a number that works for you, are you ready? Are you prepared to get a deal done today? Yeah. I mean, if, if you give me a number that works for me, then we can get it done today. Okay. Because we're not interested in getting a bid in war or anything like that, right? And so if we're able to be at 220 as a net number for you today, there's not a lot of equity you're leaving me here. But because we're probably going to keep this as a rental, I showed you the numbers, which you're going to get on your own. You might get $4,000 more. Maybe you could squeeze a couple nickels out of this. Would we be able to put a deal together today? 
If if you can get to two thirty, we could put a deal together. Two thirty. Ouch. If I was able to do two twenty five, this is one thing I have to. And this, I I start to talk to my money partner and make sure I we can reserve the capital because we're looking at a couple properties in your neighborhood. And last thing I want to do is take the capital I had reserved for you to give it to your neighbors. And you don't want us to do that either, right? I mean, I got multiple offers coming in. If you need to do something. All right. Somebody has to park the money somewhere. Right. Uh, but you got somebody who's really serious now with yeah. you, right? Um, and so the idea is if I could get you, if, if I could get the 225 approved with my money partners, we do 225. If I do that for you, there is one thing I'm going to ask for, and it's the only non-negotiable item. Okay. So I want to be upfront about everything. We spend in a quarter of a million dollars. I don't like surprises. Neither do you, do you? No. <laughs> okay. So assuming that we agreed to 225, I get the money approved. You agree to it. We, we signed an agreement. 30 days. Um, we go through the whole process. I communicate through the whole process. We close escrow. Uh, money's wired. We pay off your mortgage. Money's wired into your bank account. 30 days after you received all your cash. One thing I want to ask in return, and the only, and this, like I said, this is the only non-negotiable item, is I can receive a recommendation testimonial letter from you saying that you're just pleased with the results I provided you that you refer me to other people for the future. Is that something you'd be able to do for me, Matt? I'll make you a deal. If you go up to 227.5, then we could do the deal. If you want the testimony, you got to go to 230. If you're willing to do 227, I mean, 226, if you do 226, all right, I, I do the deal. I get the testimonial letter, but you have to take me out to dinner. As part of the deal, I get a dinner credit on you. You want a dinner credit? All right. That's, that's... 227.5, <laughs> you can get yourself a dinner credit. So let's do this. Let me talk to my money partner. Let me see if I can get this. Uh, it looks like we're really close, right? I feel good about this. So let me talk to my money partner. Give me one second, okay? Okay, so I got some good news. I got some good news and bad news. What, what do you want me to start with? Uh, the good news. Good news is we could get a deal done. Okay. We could absolutely get a deal done. Okay, so I could do uh, I could do the two twenty seven five, but you have to pay all the closing costs, or I could or I could do two twenty six, and we pay all the closing costs, which ends up netting you the same, but we still get the testimony letter together. No, you just said earlier the testimony the closing costs are two percent. It's like six grand. Right, you're so playing me for a we're fool. Gonna cover all the, we're going to use our mm -hmm. title company. We're going to use our title company. So we'll hopefully get investor discount pricing. So, but if we use your title company, then you're end up paying those. So, I mean, at the end of the day, what do you feel like you want more? Do you want a higher price or more walk away cash? Let's just call it an even two thirty. You pay the closing costs. We'll call it good. Ouch. <laughs> I hate, I hate to see you, you know, walk away from $226,000 over $1,500. I hate that happen. You know, um, it's okay. I think I Let's think I can get one of these other guys to pay it. Sure, and you might be able to, but you, when we talked about, isn't it better to take the bird in hand than chasing two birds in the bush? And it looks like that's what you want to do. It's not, I don't know if I mean if this doesn't work for you. I understand there's going to be a lot of properties on your neighborhood, so I would definitely take advantage of this right now. You know, um, you tell me, you you call all the shots here. What'd you like to do? Two thirty. You pay closing. We got a deal. Okay. Do you, you want to pray about it or do you want to think about it? No, I've been praying about it for a while. <laughs> we can pray together. You want to pray together? <laughs> I don't think that's going to go well for <laughs> I you. Honestly, I need to be at 225, <laughs> but what I'll do, let's say, let's do 227 right now and, and we'll pay the closing cost, but I get my dinner credit and my testimony. 227.5, you pay the closing cost credit, so we got a deal. And I get my dinner credit? You're going to have a dinner credit. But, I mean, the only thing out here in the sticks is McDonald's, so. No McDonald's, no McDonald's, all right? We'll Postmate some food in. We'll Postmate some food in, all right? <laughs> 227.5, you got yourself a deal. Don't forget my testimonial letter. I will be following up with cool. that. No can be an amnesia, okay? Sweet, man. All right, Tim, you asked us to do this. Break it down for us. Oh, man. Um, so first off, Eliza, great job. Um, you defined the motivation. You brought it back. Um, you poked that a little bit. Um, that was awesome. Your entertainment level, I mean, that was just next level. I mean, really. Um, keeping him engaged. Um, because 
like he was trying to be pissed at first and you still made him laugh a couple times. And <laughs> so I think that was tremendous. And your ability to just keep renegotiating, um, it, it was just on point. Um, Matt is obviously, he's an expert negotiator. So, I mean, he was definitely trying to play you back the whole fucking time. Um, and just watching you guys go off each other well, was just Well, it's so great. interesting because um, it's like- It really it's like, was. I mean, you, Top Gun. I just watched the movie Top Gun, which I love that movie. Love it. Maverick yeah. and Goose. I love I it. I feel like I'm, I'm a yeah. Top Gun pilot watching that movie going- Okay, that's not accurate. Okay, that's not right. Okay, this is this. You know, yeah. like yeah, closing costs on a seller not two and a half percent, right? So on and so forth. Right. But so I was calculating your profit on the deal as we were doing the deal. I'm like, okay, yeah, yep, 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 yep. No, I thought it was great. Yeah, no, um, I, think I mean, you really stuck in there, Elijah. He made it tough for you. I mean, obviously he he's in real estate, so I mean he's working the numbers in his own head. Right, right. But I mean, um, yeah, that was cool, man. I mean, I love how you stuck it in there, and you did get it at the end. <laughs> Yeah, and then because once you have the agreement in place, and like a lot of times you may negotiate lower than what the market is, you know, you might be able to get your mm -hmm. number. If you can't, then that's just reality of what the numbers are. And then you can come back and you, you put your best foot forward. And now you can able to talk with the homeowner and either renegotiate or give it back to them, worst case scenario. Yeah, because on that deal, you have you buy it for 227.5, you put 40,000 into it, you're at 267.5, you have two sets of closing costs on the one side and one set on the other side. So you're looking at what, $7,000. So then you're at and see. Go ahead, go ahead. Then you're at 275 and then you've got probably one side of one commission for the agent that's going to bring the buyer on your on your end. Um so that's 10 grand so you're 285 so you're you're you're, you're aiming at a $15,000 profit unless if you can get the construction down. Right. And most homeowners they don't know and I locked you into that $40,000 yep. number which was super solid. Home mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the home mm -hmm. depot repair reimbursement credit mm -hmm. technique I teach. Because if you do not challenge me on that, now I just locked you into that 40,000 number update, which is probably really only 20,000. It happened to me. I got locked in. <laughs> <laughs> you locked in. Yeah. We got you, Matt. Um, so you create the margin. Yeah, create those margins. Little fun. things like that to create the margins. And you're like, hey, I'm not trying to make a whole killing. And just by, your, by you telling them they call the shots and you got the power, that allow, it shifts the negotiation leverage where they you're edifying them a little bit mm -hmm. more so that they feel they're in a power position to say yes or no. Yeah. 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 It's really interesting. So we definitely have a lot of similarities in the way that we sell. And then we definitely have some divergences. Like you, your entertainment level is through the roof. And so like I have my entertainment level is like 10 to 25%. I feel like yours is like 75 to hundred percent. And it's just really cool. It's it's, it's really fun to see guys with completely different styles. I think we both are married and aligned on the sense of like empathy, you know, getting the full mm -hmm. thing out, really helping them. Like just the number of times you tied back into my goals, tied back into my end outcome, all those types of things. Super solid. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, definitely. On both, on both sides. Mm -hmm. I mean, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Um, so, all right, there you have it. Just a couple shout outs for Elijah before we wrap up. Um, Elijah does do, do JVs. So if you need some assisting on your wholesaling deals or anything like that, Elijah is the guy to reach out to. He could help you make some money and um, create win-win situations. Um, number two, he's looking for an acquisitions rep yes. right now. So, I mean, if and getting on Elijah's team is a tremendous opportunity. If this came into me a couple of years ago, like I would be begging him to let me work for him. So if you are in... A, obviously a skilled salesperson, but maybe new to the real estate industry, um, definitely reach out to Mr. Elijah Rubin. Also want to do a shout out for the Closers Olympics, yes. which is a awesome competition that Mr. Rubin hosts every year. Um, it's a tournament style. Uh, I mean, there's a winner um, based on closing ability. They're calling real leads actively mm -hmm. and they're closing deals. It's live. Um, when's the next time that you guys are doing yeah, the Closers Olympics? We're sending, we're sending the Zach dates still right now, but you can watch the last two years replays just by going to closerolympics.com or 50 hours of it's the only virtual sales competition of its kind. Everybody claims to be the best closers. Here's, we found out the one way to find out who's the best closer in the country and change the year to year. So Matt, you might need to put oh, your, hat, your name in a hat for this coming bro, year. Don't threaten, don't threaten me with a good time. <laughs> I was about to say, I was say yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no. But I'm looking that up right now. Sure. Okay, how how yeah, do I spell that? Oh, Closerolympics.com. Sure. Yeah, yeah, Closers. Closers. Olympics. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And then uh, Mr. Rubin, for the people listening, obviously you have a tremendous skill set. Mm-hmm. Um, if people wanted to reach out to you or to get in touch with you, what is the best way for them to do so? Yeah, you can always reach out to me. Um, my Facebook is Elijah Rubin. Instagram, Elijah Rubin. On that side, reach out to me. I have a, my Fire Damage Profit Facebook group, which you join the community of over 5,000 people there. Um, you can go to my my website, ElijahRubin.com. You know, so you have several different ways to reach out to me. DM me um, if you if you guys want my affirmations. Where I'm really big on doing affirmations. Um, just DM me affirmations, and I'll send you my free affirmations. I do one in the morning, and then I do one right before I get on calls. My pre call affirmations, and so just DM me affirmations. I'll send those over to you as my free gift to the Freedom Chaser Podcast family. Love it. <laughs> You're the man, Elijah. Um, there's one thing we didn't get into that I wanted to. Elijah is like the king of six-figure checks. He's shown me so many. He literally showed me a, a check for 400 grand. And I'm like, dude, I make less than that a year. You're an asshole. Um, so maybe we'll get him back another time and we could talk about how he's been able to develop that strategy. My guy, Elijah I. Rubin, we want to sincerely thank you for coming on our show and giving us a glimpse of your life and business. And to everyone else out there chasing freedom, freedom is acquired one action at a time. If you do nothing else, just write down one action that you got from today. And Jesus, there are dozens. Make sure to implement it in the next seven days and share it with somebody you know that can hold you accountable. And before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. Thank you again for tuning in to today's episode. We'll catch you on the next one.